Welcome to the Social Media Podcast, where we celebrate awesome on and offline. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we are so, I'm so excited to have Josh Feinsilber here, who is the creator of GimKit, not GimKit, GimKit, which is a, a really cool um, interactive game he's going to tell us lots about. So thank you so much, Josh, for being on the show. Thank you for having me on. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Josh, as Jennifer was saying. I'm going to my senior year of high school, and I'm from Seattle, Washington. And GimKit is my main school project. The school I go to is a project-based learning school. And it's actually still a public school, but we get to work mainly on projects as our schoolwork. And GimKit is my main school project. So that's where I come from. I went to traditional school my first year of high school. And then this school just opened up in my district for my sophomore through senior year. And that's where I'm at now. Well, that sounds awesome. Okay, now I need to stop and ask you a little bit about um, how what your day looks like then. If this is your major project, does that mean that all of the curriculum expectations are being evaluated based on this? Do you go to any kind of traditional classes or are they all kind of intermingled? Yeah, for the schedule is dependent on the day of the week. A big part of our school is also internships. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we don't go to school at all and we go to an internship and that work at our internship is completely different than our project work. So during during the normal nine to five day, I don't actually work on GimKit on Tuesdays and Thursdays, at least during the school year, but I do on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. As for how assessing our work goes, we have a list of things called competencies and those are somewhat aligned to Common Core in a way, but they're they're a bit more volatile and interpretable. Basically competencies, if you take a look at traditional school and you go to social studies, you may have to learn about a specific time period in history, whereas a competency might be learning about past events, but you get to choose which past event and you show your learning of that through a project. And I think there's about 85 of them that we have to do for our freshman, sophomore year. And then we have to do them at a higher level again for our junior, senior years. And for traditional classes, the only traditional class we take is a math class, and that's because it is a state requirement, and we do mainly our math classes online. And then we also have the option to take a foreign language class online for college credit. And then finally, we do have access to go to our local community college if we want to take some more traditional classes. But for the most part, you most people get through the school by just taking a traditional math course. So I love that you use the word interpretable when it comes to the, the, the competencies. I would say there's a lot more room for interpretation um, than we may think, but I, uh, I definitely love the way that works. Now, what would you say the biggest um, opportunity is and the greatest drawback is to your schedule? I think the greatest opportunity is just the, the fact that it's so open-ended and that you have an opportunity to go do something that's never been done before. Traditional school, I think, is a really good job, does a really good job of teaching you things that have already been learned by someone else. But I think a great, a great thing about project-based learning is you are learning things that haven't necessarily been learned before, that you're discovering something new. But at the same time, I think the biggest drawback is just how much freedom you are getting. It's it's really easy when you're given so much freedom to abuse it. And to waste your time when there's not a clear set of directions to follow. And, and for a lot of students, they've been so used to 
their entire education lives of being told exactly what to do and exactly what they need to do to get an A. But now all this all this freedom is thrown at them and, and it can be overwhelming at times. So I, so I think that the biggest strength and the biggest weakness is the same, which is just how much freedom there is. That's incredible. I love it. I love it. And I do, um, in social media, there is an entire chapter on Genius Hour and project-based learning because of what you just said, the the skills that you can get, um, real-world skills that are transferable are bar none. So then where does the inspiration for GimKit come from? Sure. GimKit, start, I was actually at the tail end of my sophomore year in high school. So it was my first year at my, my, at my new school. And I just wrapped up a project and I wanted to do something, something new that really challenged myself. I wanted to create something that I would actually want to use and not, not something to just kind of check off some boxes. And so I thought back to traditional school and I used tools like Kahoot and I, I really enjoyed using them. But I thought, you know, if I was, if I was back in traditional school using one of these, one of these tools, what would I like to see from it? I think, it, I think Kahoot's great, but I think it can definitely be better. And that was where the original inspiration came from. There was a couple other factors as well. But but from there, I interviewed students and teachers to, to find the, the main pain points that they were having in their existing tools and try to try to solve the main the main problems that teachers and students were having with, with GimKit. And what were some of those problems that they revealed to you? Yeah. I, I think I said this somewhere else, but a, a the questions I was asking the teachers were and students were were probably the wrong questions because I was trying to get specifically what was what they were having trouble with regarding Kahoot and not not the question of what are you looking for in a tool. But so it was very Kahoot specific in terms of the questions I was asking. And so the, the pain points were pretty Kahoot specific. Uh, I'll share the main one from teachers and then I'll share the main one from students. The main one from teachers was that the questions never repeated. You did each question once and that was it. If you got the question incorrect, you never got a chance to go back and try it again. And so uh, a great way to learn is through repetition. There's been a lot of studies on, on how effective that can be. And so uh, a big problem we want to solve is, okay, how can we get students to answer questions more than once throughout a game of GimKit? And so that was, that was one of the main concerns from teachers. On the student side, a big one was just how long they were waiting. And so Kahoot awards you for answering quicker. And so if you students try to answer as quickly as they can, and they spend a lot of time waiting, and we actually calculated it. We did a, we a small little coup with myself and a group of friends, and we found that between questions, we were waiting about 25 seconds. And students were, during that time, not really doing much. And, we, and so students were complaining that, hey, we want to fill that time with something. It does create a sense of suspense that 25 seconds does do a really good job. And the, and, and the fact that everyone is doing answering the same question at the same time does build up a good amount of suspense and excitement. However, that's a lot of time wasted. And so students wanted to, to fill that time with stuff. And, and that's what we try to solve on the student side with GimKit. So did you have to learn coding? Is this what the sort of foundation of this was once you did the preliminary research and decided, okay, this is what this needs to look like. Was the rest of it coding? Can you tell us a little bit about the process? Mm-hmm. I'd been coding when I started GimKit for about a year, and my main internship for that past year was at a startup, and I, I was learning a lot of great programming skills. However, there was a lot of new things I needed to learn. I had never created a product by myself before, there was, so there was a ton of things and technologies I did have to learn. But it wasn't it wasn't as if I was starting from scratch in terms of programming. So I, I had a solid foundation, but there were certainly lots of lots of new new things I had to learn to get make GimKit work. 
Neat. Um, so one of the things that I talk a lot about is, um, is students leveraging social media. The fact that you are in high school and an entrepreneur, I think is already incredible. Um, does social media play a role in any part of um, starting this game? So I, I, you cut out the last part there. Did you say you said social media, does it play a part of does it does oh, it play any role in terms of uh, your your journey with Gimkit? Oh sure, yeah, I, it it hasn't for a long time, but I've been getting a little bit more into it recently. A big focus, since it's mainly just been me working on Gimkit, has just been working on the product and marketing has not, and still to this day, is not a concern at all. It's going to be a little bit more of a concern in the coming months, but thus far, I've just been focusing on continuously improving the product and the main source of marketing has been through word of mouth. But more recently, I'd say over the, since about April, I've been more active on social media f- on, on behalf of Gimkit, more specifically Twitter. And it, it's been actually, it's been fantastic. First, you see a lot of teachers tweeting about, about Gimkit and it's great to see videos and photos of, of students using it in class because I actually don't quite know what that's like since I don't use it at my school. But beyond that, I mean, tw- Twitter has some great tools for having conversations about the product and also getting some feedback. I've had polls on Twitter of, would you like to see this feature or which feature would you like to see come next so that I know what to work on? It's a really great way to get some pretty instant feedback. But at the same time, it's just a great place to carry a conversation. Neat. And have you had conversations with students as well? A, a few. It's not too many, though. It's mainly just been teachers. The the age demographic for Twitter is a little bit older than say some of the other social media platforms. So I've, I've had a couple of conversations mainly actually on my, on my site itself. There's a live chat and I've had a lot of, I've had, I've had a lot of talks with students on there, but on Twitter, not so much. I could totally see another class being interested in getting together and being your marketing team. I think, yeah, I think you should think about that, <laughs> but, uh, but okay, that's awesome. And this podcast really is about, um, sharing people who are making a difference on and offline. And, and from what I've heard, um, I think that Gim, Gimkit is making a difference. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty big risk. I got all these, as I told you, these problems from teachers and students, but in terms of the solution, I didn't really verify that this was the correct solution to these problems. And growth was pretty slow for a long time, but it really picked up in April, right, as I started using Twitter. And fr- from it, I just get to see how excited students are about about playing GimKit. They they absolutely, a lot of them, I should say, absolutely love playing GimKit. They look forward to it. They ask their teachers to play GimKit. And it's, it's really awesome to just have something out there that gets students excited about school and get excited about learning. At the same time, some teachers have run studies for us and they, they've showed us that it's actually increased some of their test scores in, in their class. And, and so that's really great too. But, but for me, the number one thing is just seeing how much students really enjoy using GimKit. I think, now I haven't played it, full disclosure, um, but I think what I heard someone say is um, with Kahoot, a student doesn't actually see the answers in front of them. So if you have a learning disability, for example, perceptual reasoning or even verbal comprehension um, issues, it's really problematic for you to be able to, to look up on the screen and then look back down. Um, does GimKit solve that problem for students with special needs? Yeah, I would say not fully. I mean, it, it helps in that area that you're talking about. And there's actually a big psychological factor to that. In terms of Kahoot, you look up at the screen and you get the four or three or two different answers. 
and then you tap a color bubble that represents that. So you're actually tapping a representation of the answer, and there's a disconnect between the screen and the device, whereas GimpKit, you actually tap the answer itself. And it's, it's kind of like the difference between writing something and typing it. You, get, you retain it more by actually choosing it versus choosing a representation of it. But as for some of... As for some of the special needs, there's actually a lot more work we have to do in terms of that. Text-to-speech is a good one. So text-to-speech is actually yeah, a really good one that we need to add in. And also just helping students that have, we've been in some classrooms with special needs before, but there's, there's actually not a lot of good work that we've done thus far in terms of helping support that. So I, I actually would say not quite yet. We actually haven't got to where I'd like to be in terms of that. So what's next then for you? Is it just improving the product? Where, where do you want to go from here? Yeah, so a big part of GimpKit is that it's strategic, and that's a big reason why students love it. There's strategy involved with it. It's not just answering questions. And our main game mechanics have been the same ever since launch. And so students are starting to get their strategies in place, and they know which what to do and when. And the thing that we want to do is we want to keep students on their toes. We don't want them to get bored with the game, and we want to keep adding new stuff, new things in. So I'm, the current design is pretty limiting if I want to add new stuff in. And so this summer, I'm working on a complete rewrite of the game part to make it so that we can much more easily add and remove things so students constantly have to stay on their toes. So that's actually what I'm doing this summer is, is making it so that the game is stays interesting and fresh for, for years and years to come. Wait, are you taking summer school or are you just doing this because you love it? I'm doing it because I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're like every teacher's dream child. But it really is such a testament to uh, what happens when a student gets to choose their own pathway and their own project and then becomes really passionate about it. I think that's amazing. Um, I, I didn't, I, I have to ask you this question. I mean, we live in a world where a high school student can be an entrepreneur. What advice do you have for students out there who have an idea for a project? I would say first, make sure that you are the right person to, to solve this issue. I think I've hit a good spot in terms of education. It's because I've been, I've been in it for my for a majority of my life and, and I had good experience with it. But I, I also think patience is a, is a big part. I, again, I, it took a long time for, for GimKit to get off the ground, relatively speaking, which is seven, seven months. And that's not even that long of a time. But, but things happen slowly and over time and nothing happens overnight. So I, I think patience is the biggest one because there are there a lot of times where I wasn't sure if, if GimKit was the right thing to work on, if I was wasting all my time on this. But with patience, I found that it, it can bring some really great results. Thanks so much, Josh. And where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about it? And you. Sure. Yeah. In terms of social media, you can follow GimKit on Twitter uh, it's it's not too interesting because it's mainly just GimKit stuff, but that's at GimKit on Twitter. For me personally, I've been trying to kind of figure out what, what I want to do with my Twitter. I, I mainly kind of just use it as a GimKit promotion channel, but uh, I'm try- I've am i been trying to post some more personal things on there too. And so I'm on Twitter at josh.js. And so that's josh.js. Fantastic. I want to thank you. Thank you so much uh, for agreeing to be on the show. I wish you the best with GimKit. You need to know that we are educators are a group of awesome support people. If you haven't noticed that already on Twitter, we will help you, support you, promote you. Um, So definitely uh, hope to see you in the Twitterverse. And thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with us. Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Take care.
The Social Media Podcast is a way to continue celebrating students and teachers who are using technology and social media in positive ways, and is a continuation of my book, Social Media, which can be found on Amazon. All links mentioned in the podcast can be found on socialmedia.org under the podcast tab. Content can also be found at jcassatod.com, which is where I blog. If you would like to be featured on social media or have an idea for a show, please contact me at jcassatod.com. The Social Media Podcast is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca.